Hi, and welcome to North Church. We are so excited that you are here with us today. And by the way, happy Easter. You can expect our services to be about an hour long. In a few moments, we're going to stand and sing some songs and then hear an amazing message from our senior pastor, Mike Mead. If after the service you have some questions or you'd like to get some more information, I want to invite you into our lobby where you can grab a cup of coffee and you'll also see our information center. There we have kind and warm volunteers that would love to help you get connected and more informed about North Church. Downstairs in North Kids, we have programs from infants all the way through third grade, where they're going to hear about the Easter story and also have an amazing, fun Easter egg hunt. After the service, we just ask that you pick up your kids promptly so that the new students coming in are about to have as much fun as your kids just had. On your way out of North Church, we just ask that you turn right on Division as people will be coming in and out and this will just be safer and easy for everyone. Next week, our service times will resume as normal at 9 and 11 a.m. If you're new here at North Church, I want to invite you to First Connect. It will be next week after service where you and a pastor on staff will meet for about five minutes and learn how you can get connected here at North Church. Also, here at North Church, we love reaching out into our community. And one way you can be involved in that is with check-in to reach out. You just go on your mobile device and check into North Church on Facebook. And every three check-ins will provide one item in a welcome basket for refugee families coming into Spokane. If you'd like some more information on North Church, please check out our website at northchurch.net. There, if you scroll to the bottom of our homepage, you'll see our e-bulletin. There has all the upcoming events and more information about North Church. Those are all the announcements we have for you this morning. We hope that you have a great time and happy Easter.
Someone like me 
Stay standing because we are going to jump right back into worship. Awesome. Thank you. Well, so happy to be here. So good. Happy Easter. My name is Zach Mead. I am the Creative Arts Pastor here. And we're just excited we get to celebrate with you guys what Christians around the world are celebrating, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. Yeah. The life that Jesus came to give us, he called the abundant and fulfilling life. And this morning can be a new beginning for each and every one of us. If you feel like you want to grow and get closer um, to the church or friendships here, I would encourage you after this service to head out to the lobby where we have some great volunteers at the Info Center who can help get you connected in any way you're looking for. So yeah, with that, let's celebrate. We are gonna sing. Let's do it, here we go.
You have no equal 
About two years ago, my wife and I had our second son, and his name was Jonah. As soon as he was born, the doctors found out that he had severe hearing loss. This was really devastating for Cassie and I. 
For years, my wife and I have been praying for my family to come to know Jesus. And as we've prayed, there's been moments of sadness and, and anger and frustration at God. So in my 30s, when I began to process through the sexual abuse I had suffered as a child, it got tough. The second time that my wife miscarried, both of us really found it hard to believe that God was going to bless us with a family. We got to the point where we just said, you know, I can't believe this is happening. I have a hard time believing that I can hear God correctly. This point in our lives, I struggle to believe that God can save my family. I struggle with believing that God's interested and with me on the day to day. I just couldn't believe that God was allowing my mom to suffer through something like cancer. I struggle to believe God has plans to bless people like Hitler. Sometimes I doubt that God will heal someone with the terminal illness. I doubted that my Heavenly Father truly loved me. I can't believe God would allow my son to be born with severe hearing loss. Honest Christians will always admit that they have questions about their faith. And uh, the reason for that is we live in a broken world. We live where there's injustice, there's pain, there's suffering. And I think thinking people are going to ask hard questions. Now, some of you may be wondering, why on Easter Sunday did we start things off with this inspiring, faith-filled video <laughs> of our staff <laughs> venting all of their doubts and fears and disappointments? And the reason why is this, that Real faith is not afraid to look at doubt in the eye and make it blink. Deep faith has been tested, it's been proven, it's gone through suffering, it's gone through questions, and it's come out the other side stronger. It's one of the things I love about the Christian faith is that you're not persecuted for asking questions and for being an explorer. For the past six weeks, we've been in a series talking about uh, the seven great I am statements that Jesus made about himself, saying that he was God, that he was the way to the Father. And today, it's only appropriate that on Easter Sunday, we finished uh, the seventh of those statements found in John's gospel, and it's this. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? See, the resurrection is the cornerstone of the Christian faith. That without it, you don't have a Christian faith. The Apostle Paul said, if you take the resurrection out of Christianity, then the donuts and coffee better be really good because that's about all you're going to get. You're praying, you're preaching, you're singing. It's meaningless without the resurrection. 
Now, I get that in our Western thinking, in our minds, it's very difficult maybe to uh, just automatically believe that Jesus is God's son and that he burst through the tomb, he overcame the grave, and he lives today. But there's many rational, reasonable reasons to believe that. I could point to the more than 300 prophecies written hundreds of years before Jesus came that he fulfilled to the T. Or you could read about the 37 major miracles that Jesus did and performed and changed lives. You could read about that in the Bible or in in history. Or I would point to the over 500 people who say they saw him as eyewitnesses after he rose from the dead. And not only did they say it, they were willing to die for it gruesome deaths because they would not recant the fact that they had seen him. Of course, there's the millions and millions of transformed lives, hundreds of them that are here this morning, where God stepped in and by his transforming grace changed us. There's lots of reasons to believe, but let's face it, it still takes faith to believe. I want to look at someone in the Bible this morning Uh, who was one of Jesus' close friends, actually one of the 12 disciples. And uh, they struggled to believe. On the day that Jesus rose from the dead, on Easter day in the evening, Jesus appears in in a room where there was a locked door. And the disciples were able to experience him and see him and have a conversation with him. But Thomas wasn't there. So if you have a Bible, you can uh, read along with me or read it up on the screen, John chapter 20. Here's the account. On the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and he stood among them and he said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. Now, Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them this time, though the doors were locked. Jesus came, and he stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now, through this event, Thomas, not not by the disciples that we know of, but through history, adopted or received this unfortunate nickname. You know what it is? Yeah, Doubting Thomas. I think he got a raw deal. Because, you know, really, I mean... All of them doubted, and we're going to look at that in a moment. But he got this this nickname kind of attached to him throughout history. 
And I don't know, I don't like nicknames that much. I have some I was gonna share with you, but they're inappropriate for church. <laughs> so I asked Tisa if she had any when she was growing up and she gave me one that I could share and it was Gritzy. And where that came from is she was like five years old and uh, they were driving in the station wagon, the old station wagon, and they had seatbelts, but no one used them back then. That's how old I am. And, and, and I know it's hard to believe that no one used seatbelts back then, but because now we have these devices, I think you call them car seats, where you like strap the kid in with like six point checkpoints, buckles and clasps, and the kid's just like in, <laughs> like he's going to the moon in a NASA project. But back then, I mean, parents would drive like 70 miles an hour, kids aren't buckled in, and Tisa's place, five years old, was up on the back dash. That's, she'd lay, lay out there, she had a big family, you know? Seven siblings, mom and dad, and so she would lay out on the back dash. Now this is after they had had a nice breakfast of bacon and eggs and grits. Yeah, so. <laughs> Mom and dad would roll the windows up, they'd both be chain smoking, until the whole car was hot boxed with smoke. So after Tisa inhaled enough smoke, went over enough bumps at 75 miles an hour, a projectile would come out. And she would vomit grits over everybody. And so they named her Gritsy. I think that's unfortunate and sad. And matter of fact, if you value your life, do not call her that after service. You see, when Thomas was labeled doubting Thomas, it's really unfortunate because it's a derogatory term, right? Like we didn't doubt, but doubting Thomas did. The truth is that every one of them had issues, had questions, and had doubts. Now, Thomas resolved his doubts. You can resolve yours. Thomas actually became a, a spokesman for the resurrected Lord. He went to Iraq and Iran talking about Jesus, talking about his love and his forgiveness, how he's real, how he rose from the dead, how he had seen him with his own eyes. He ended up in India in 52 AD and, uh, and preached the gospel, planted churches, and he ended up dying a martyr's death through a spear of someone who he was actually trying to share the love of God with. Many people in India today trace their Christian heritage back to Thomas. Thomas became a great man of faith. And God wants to transform our doubts into faith. Now look for a moment before we let these other disciples off the hook. Let's look at Luke's account. We, we read, we, we, we read uh, the, the previous account. Now let's look at what Luke said. He said, while they were still talking about this, this same day, same Easter day, while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said this. Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. See, the other disciples wanted the very same thing that Thomas wanted. They wanted to see. They wanted to touch. 
They had doubts. They had questions. They were afraid. And Jesus showed them what they needed in the same way he showed Thomas. In Matthew chapter 28, after the resurrection, Jesus appeared to his disciples a number of times. And look at this account in Matthew. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Isn't that amazing? I mean, we think that if I would have seen the resurrected Lord on Easter Sunday, and I would have been able to put my hands in the wounds, and I would have been able to have a conversation, I would never have doubted again. And here they are doubting again. Isn't that amazing? See, all of us doubt. It's a human issue. But we can resolve our doubts and become people of faith. The word doubt literally means double vision or double-minded. You know, God has one thing he says. The world has another thing it says. I feel one way about myself. God says he feels another way about me. I want to pursue one direction in my life. God says I have a better path for you over here. And doubt stays in the middle. And doubt creates confusion and a lack of conviction. Thomas was a doubter on the day of the resurrection, as was every other disciple, and they had to deal with them. And they had to make a choice. What am I going to believe? Which way am I actually going to go? Faith is where double vision becomes single vision. And my doubts get resolved, and I begin to see God's way, God's path, God's truth. And my heart is strengthened. See, there's a big difference between doubt and unbelief. They're different. Henry Drummond, uh, the Scottish evangelist, said this. He said, Christ never failed to distinguish between doubt and unbelief. Doubt is can't believe. Unbelief is won't believe. Doubt is honesty. Unbelief is obstinacy. Doubt is looking for light. Unbelief is content with darkness. See, all of us deal with doubts. And just because you have doubts doesn't mean that you're an unbeliever. It doesn't mean you don't believe. It doesn't mean you don't have faith. It's like, you know, I'm trying to believe. But my intellect, my senses, and my experiences, and my history, and my hurts, they make it hard for me sometimes. I'm trying to find my way. I'm struggling to find a place of faith. I'm looking for light. Unbelief is different. It won't even engage. It's already cynical. It already's made up its mind. It won't believe. That's the difference between doubt and unbelief. I was raised in a very secular home, went to state uh, schools and universities, and my dad just taught us to, you know, question everything, be a critical thinker. And so it was pretty difficult to come to a place of faith in Jesus Christ for me. But I did when I was 19 years old. And then over the next couple years, it became more and more real, and I, I began to understand it was uh, my faith at, at, in the beginning. It was genuine, but it was very untested. And when I was 22, I was living in Texas, dating my wife, and uh, all of a sudden I realized, man, um, Christianity or just being a Christ follower, being a Christian is starting to really become important to me, like it's taking over all my life. Is it really real? 
And, and I remember being out at a lake, I was alone, and I, I was questioning, I was asking God, I was talking to God, even though I was questioning and had questions about whether he was even real. And, and in that moment, I felt like God just said, look up, and I looked up and there was this night sky, all of these stars and planets and moons, and, and, and God said, I made that. It proves my existence, that didn't just happen that way. John Glenn, uh, the famous astronaut, said to look out at this kind of creation and not believe in God is to me impossible. And then the Spirit of God, as I realized later, spoke to my heart and said, look in, look at yourself. Look at what I've done in you. You were a thief and now you're not. You were addicted to drugs and pornography and now you're not. You only loved people who loved you back. Now I've given you a different kind of love. I've changed your life. I've changed your heart. And God said, you are a testimony of my grace. You're, you're proof of my existence. People spend thousands of dollars and years of counseling sessions to deal with character issues, don't they? God said, I changed you in a moment, and he did. And from that point on, I realized, you know, even beyond creation, I, I realized that God, no one could have changed me like you did. You must be real. We all need questions answered. And God is ready to answer. He's not afraid of your doubts. Matter of fact, here's good news, is that God is sympathetic towards those of us who doubt. He didn't scold Thomas. He didn't reject him. He invited him to come to him. And to have those questions answered. And then he said, you were doubting, now believe. See, God is sympathetic towards you. He's not offended. He's not shocked by your doubts. You just need to know that you need to bring them to him. He wants to talk to you about those. He wants to give you uh, some things that you can process and, and speak into your heart, speak into your life. See, it doesn't have to be, doubt does not need to be a lifelong condition. Don't let it become a lifelong condition. Do not let doubt define you. God has something better for you than that. And he can do his very best work in your life as he helps you resolve some of those questions. Now, for me, most of my doubts come from my past. They come from hurts and disappointments they come from a sense, a sense of betrayal by certain people. And, uh, and I know that that is true of a lot of us, that maybe we believe God is, he exists, he's real, but does he love me? Does he care? Why doesn't he answer my prayers? Why is he remaining so distant? Maybe you find yourself in that very place this morning. Maybe you started something, a, a new business perhaps, and, and you thought, man, I think God's in this, and you went, you, you invested, and you put, in, put your time and energy into it, and it failed. And then we end up going, where was God? What happened? Or, or possibly marriage. You know, you go into a marriage with all the hopes and the dreams and the expectations, and then if that marriage ends up eroding and failing, you say, now, now where's my identity? One of the greatest times of doubt for Tease and I was 10 years into our marriage. She was pregnant with our third son. And in the third trimester, uh, she started to have some complications. And so the doctors were 
watching her closely, and we began to pray, you know, reach out to the prayer chain. We were praying with faith, and unfortunately, our baby died a stillborn death. And we ended up in a place of doubt and anger and hurt, and that began to turn towards one another. It began to turn towards God, thinking, man, why would you have allowed this to happen, God? We do believe in you. We are serving you. Can I ask you a question, a pointed, personal question? Have you ever allowed hurts or pain to cause you to run from God? Maybe quit going to church? Maybe it was a trusted leader that you felt betrayed through? Or Christianity as a whole, and you became cynical? Have you let pain move you away from God or to God. It's time to come home. It's time today to let God in, to begin to answer some of the questions of your heart, to begin to mend some of the hurts of your past because he loves you. Now, let me give you a couple, just a couple brief thoughts about how do you turn doubt into faith? How do you move in a new direction? Well, first is you gotta turn your doubts over to God. Inviting him in. In other words, knowing he's sympathetic towards you. He wants to engage with you around those questions, around those doubts. And some of them he will answer and can answer either through the word or through his spirit in your heart. And some of those questions may not get answered until heaven. But when you invite God in, the spirit of God begins to work in your heart and begin to settle some of those issues. Secondly, is begin to trust the word of God in a way maybe you've never done before. God's word breeds faith. The Bible breeds faith. It says this, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And when we read the Bible and when we study and we learn some of the promises of God for our life, it has a way of settling some of those issues of our heart. Some of the promises like nothing will ever separate you from the love of God. Or you are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. Or you are fearfully and wonderfully made and I know you. Let me just say, never doubt in the dark what God has told you in the light. It's one of the reasons why I love writing down when I'm listening to God, praying reading scripture, and I feel anything that came from God or I learn anything, I try to write it down because I know there's going to be dark days, days of doubt, days of questioning. And we can lean back on the things that God has already done. He's already proven himself faithful in so many areas of our life. And sometimes we need to remind ourselves of the things God said in the light, the things that God has done. And then the, here's the last thought. If you want to really resolve your doubts, you have to take a step of faith. No way around that. There have been so many times in my life when I've stood in a place of doubt or indecision and I had to make up my mind and take a step of faith in a particular direction. And that's when God broke through. We do that all of the time in the natural world, don't we? When you're loading onto an airplane, I don't know about you, I don't love flying. And when I you know, I see this 960,000 pound piece of steel made up of six million different parts all put in there by the lowest bidder. And I'm, <laughs> I'm a little nervous. 
I'm a little nervous, I'll be honest. And, and, and yet I've got to step across the threshold of, of, of the little tunnel on into the plane and trust that I'm going to get there. Faith is not the absence of doubt, it's the presence of belief. It's the decision to follow Jesus in spite of some doubts. Today, you can make up your mind to go from indecision to decision, from double vision to single vision, from just trusting your own thoughts, your own words, and whatever culture's telling us, to believing and trusting God and His Word. And you can take a step of faith. Let me just close with this passage, this scripture from Peter. He said, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him. And you're filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Jesus told Thomas that very same thing. He said, you know, you believe because you've seen. Blessed are those that believe having not seen. Would you pray with me and bow your head? The invitation that God is making to us this morning is very simple. It's will you believe? Will you put your trust in him? Now, I know we live in a world that undermines our faith every day. And all of us in this room, we have disappointments and hurts, questions. And we have to decide, are we going to hold on to those the rest of our life and allow doubt to define us? Or will we allow faith to propel us? Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Though you die, you will live. Because he was speaking to us of a heaven and of an eternity where every tear will be wiped away, every injustice will be turned around, every heart will be healed, and we will spend eternity with the one who loves us and gave his life for us. Maybe today is the day God brought you here. He brought you here and he's been speaking to you and he's sympathetic towards those questions and those doubts and those concerns. And he just wants to tell you I, the faith that God is asking you to believe is not in a church, it's not in a denomination, it's not even in a leader, it's in Jesus himself, the Son of God who died on the cross for you and calls you now into an abundant life. And you don't have to get rid of all your doubts to, to believe, and to step across that line of faith and say, yes, Lord, I'm going to trust you with my life. If that's you, I want to pray with you, but ask that you pray this prayer. Jesus, as much as I know how right now in this moment, I'm asking you in 
I still have some questions. I don't understand it all. But God, I'm acknowledging you are real, that you exist, and that you came to this earth for me. And I want right now, Lord, to know you and walk with you and to become a person of faith that you can use. Just in this quiet moment, if that was you and you prayed that prayer, would you just lift your hand to God and just say, yes, I prayed that with you, Mike. Amen, amen, yeah, amen. Yep, good for you, yeah, yeah. Sometimes those responses of faith really seal it in our heart that we're saying yes to God. It's not the absence of doubt. It's the presence of belief. And Lord, praying right now, God, that you would continue, Lord, that good work in each one of us. And Lord, I know there are also people here, God, that just doubt your love, doubt your forgiveness, doubt their place in your kingdom. And Lord, I pray you settle those doubts, settle those questions. By the power of your spirit, Lord, you give us the gift of faith and you give us understanding and wisdom, revelation that just come from you, God. We have no other way to explain it. And so I pray, Lord, would you open up our eyes to see you more clearly today that when we leave here, God, we see, we see a resurrected Lord inviting us into a relationship that's every moment, every day that becomes intimate and real. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you were one of those who opened your heart to God and stepped across that line of faith, I want to tell you it's the smartest, best thing you will have ever done with your life. We want to help you as a church to grow in your faith. And we have a free Bible for you that you can just pick up on your way out. Um, because the Word of God has a way to breed faith in you. And also want to invite you to come back to uh, part two of this message, basically. It's on overcoming your doubts. And then we'll talk about what does genuine and real faith actually look like. And so make sure and come back next week. Well, the ushers are going to come right now to receive our tithes and offering. If you brought a gift you wanted to give to God, would you prepare that? And if you're our vis uh, visiting today, you're our guest. Don't feel any obligation to give. Let's worship. can't believe the price you paid for me what you did not owe so that I could know you how can it be you chose someone like me to declare your praise for the glory of your
coming today and uh, make sure and turn right on your way out uh, onto division. Your kids are waiting for you. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. God's given us a great day to enjoy.